Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Monday, July 12th, 2021. I'm Andrew Hansen alongside Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach. And here we are on Monday at lunchtime after Game 3 last night. Coach, Milwaukee got back into the series with a 20-point victory at home. They sure did, man. And I'll tell you what, they look terrific. And they you talk about understanding the you know, the immensity of the situation, man, they stepped up and played and, you know, Phoenix didn't lay down. I mean, they stuck with them for a long time, but Milwaukee's will was just too strong. You could tell they were not fooling around and uh, it was good to see them play so well. It was a, it's a fun game to watch, even though it blew out at the end. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad we have a series now two one and Giannis was just tremendous. 41 points. 13 rebounds, six assists, much better at the line, 13 for 17. And kind of funny with the post-game press conferences where they're talking to him about Michael Jordan scoring four straight with at least 40 and Giannis acting like, well, I'm no Michael Jordan. But I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps rolling here and putting up 40 a night that Phoenix just doesn't quite have an answer for him when he's ultra-motivated and the, and the knee uh, doesn't seem to be hampering him anymore. Well, he's, I mean, first of all, he's absolutely unbelievable. The fact that he's playing and, you know, getting these monster minutes after that kind of an injury is is phenomenal in itself. But then the fact that he raised himself to this level, uh, just, I mean, this this really solidifies. I, you know, I've always been a guy, not to dog him because I love Giannis. He's a great, great guy. But I've always just, you know, questioned those back-to-back -back MVPs a little bit because, he can't shoot from outside. He can't shoot free throws, all this stuff. So I'll tell you what, I'm taking that info that I felt and throwing it out the window because one thing that he has done in this series and yesterday even to another level is he has absolutely solidified you know, his reputation in this league as, as absolutely one of the best players. And you know, the, the level that he played at, he was completely unstoppable. Uh, his you know, determination and gamesmanship. And I just, he, he moved up another notch uh, for me. And I think that uh, if they can pull out this series, you know, he, he really solidifies his legend, regardless what he does the rest of his career. So I really enjoyed it. I, I hats off to, to Giannis and that performance because man, was he something the way he takes that ball to the basket. It's like people aren't even there. It's unreal. Yeah, it really is. Well, before we get to the Giannis and Milwaukee side and, and uh, discuss whether they can tie it up here in game four, why don't you start with the Phoenix side for us and get us ready here on DraftKings and FanDuel for game four? Absolutely. By the way, nice combo today, the white hat with the black shirt. Our, the, our the team fact. is ready here. We're, 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 we're in, in line. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, some of those Bucks offensive plays, they finally got it going too. They were moving the ball like Phoenix was in Phoenix. So uh, that was really good to see. But all right, let's go back to the Suns and, and sort of, I guess you go back to the drawing board for what's the game plan going in here uh, in game four with uh, against the Bucks because, you know, they had a plan for game one and two. They, you know, did that exactly the way they were planning on and it worked out well. So I think what they did is, uh, Coach Bud and, and the Bucks made some adjustments. I think Phoenix, and rightfully so, you know, let's stick with what won the first two games. And uh, 
the major part of that, Andrew, that I think is what cost them this game. Even you know, it really wasn't a twenty-point game. That was all at the end. But what I think cost them the game, which was a strategy that we didn't see coming at the beginning of the series, and it worked in game one and two, and that was to have Aiton guard Giannis. And, you know, one thing we saw for sure, when DeAndre Aiton is off the floor for Phoenix, they just fall apart. And it's, you know, you wouldn't think that would be the case with two great guards like Paul and Booker, but here's the thing. They, they lose that pick and roll. Because there's really, you know, if they had Sarge, it wouldn't have been as bad. But, you know, God bless them, Frank the Tank just isn't really the answer there. It's just such a uh, a fallback from, from when Aiton's out there. So their spacing gets messed up. The pick and roll's gone. The lob somewhat goes away. All the way they run their offense uh, just changes without Aiton on the floor. So I want to get your feedback on this before I start breaking the game down. Does obviously Monty has to see that that was the deciding factor. Aiton guarded Giannis, got in big foul trouble, didn't play a whole lot in the second half, and they just fell apart. So, do you think Monty sticks with Aiton on Giannis or understands that Aiton's too important to their offense that maybe they need to switch somebody else out? It's not like Aiton has exactly been stoning Giannis as it is. Yeah, you're right. Um, but I think they stick with Aiton. Um, I, I mean, it was the major domino effect. He got in foul trouble. He goes off the court. They lose that presence on both ends, like you talked about in the interior. And the other thing is he was so efficient. You know, he was 8 for 11 yeah. and playing great. I mean, he wrecked our lineups, at least mine, and he wrecked the game for Phoenix because you know, he got that fourth foul early in the third quarter, and it was still a game. And it was still a game, really, at the beginning of the fourth. It was starting to get away from them, but he, then he got his fifth, and then he goes out, and then it, then it really opens up and turns into a bit of a blowout. But he just, you know, his absence really was magnified in terms of showing his importance. Um, and so, uh, you know, the the comment or two I heard from, from Monty about how this is going to be a learning experience for Aiton, and he's going to grow from this. And he talked about the officials where they kind of called a couple of those pretty close where they were kind of minor bumps from Aiton. But he yeah. said, we have to know how they're officiating it. And that's going to be the teaching point to Aiton, I think, is, hey, you know, if you can play physical and they'll let you play physical against Giannis, then you do it. But if not, you got to play a little more straight up, be conservative because we have to have you on the court. I mean, he's going to talk to him and say, look what happened when you had to sit down. We got crushed, so we have to have you out there. We don't have anybody, like you said, we don't have Sarge anymore. It's just the, the committee that's behind you to try to slow down Giannis is just not ideal. So we have to have you out there. You got to be smarter, stay out of foul trouble. So I think they'll let him uh, give it another try because uh, I, I do think he's the best matchup they have. I agree. I mean, first of all, nobody could match up with Giannis. He's you know the the freak for a reason. But I think he does give them their best chance. And I agree with you. I think even though that was such a deciding factor in this game, I think they have to try it. And if he does get a couple quick fouls, then, then you go to plan B, right. which isn't a really great plan because, like you say, you know, at least Sarich was able to you know, bang with them. But they really don't have a backup 
to that plan. So they, it would be more like what they did last time. They went zone. And, you know, they may have to do that if he gets in foul trouble again. And uh, if they go zone, man, forget it, because they just have too many good spot-up shooters in, you know, Middleton and Tucker, if he gets to stand there in the corner alone, and Holiday, who hit some shots finally. So, you know, I think uh, from the Milwaukee side, since I'm talking about Milwaukee, I think what they do is they say, hey, Giannis, here's the deal. We all saw it very simply. You need to take the ball at Aiton, get get him in foul trouble. So no settling for threes for sure. Don't even settle for that 15, 16-foot jumper. Just extend, get in there. If you get blocked a few times, so what? So I think you're going to see more ISO plays for Giannis, and they're going to try to pound it at Aiton and, and try to get him in foul trouble again. So that that makes Giannis just, you know, He's gonna, I'm telling you right now here, two days from, from game four, uh, Giannis is going to be my captain. I think he's, he's the optimal guy in the captain spot. He's playing that kind of ball. And I think that they're going to go to him even more than they did, knowing that if they can get eight on the floor or off the floor, they're going to they're gonna, uh, do fantastic. So anyway, uh, that, that comes down to eight and being a key play here. So can he stay on the floor, and do you roster him in DFS? That's the risk that you take is file trouble again. But he has proven every game when he's in there, when he's in the flow, and he's got his head into it in these playoffs, he's been fantastic. So, you know, I, I have no problem rolling with Aiton again and taking that, uh, that chance because I don't think if he gets his second file – that they'll keep him on him. I think they'll either switch somebody else on him or go zone. So they know they need him on the floor. You know, Aiton for 24 minutes in this last game, there's no way. I mean, he needs to be out there 40 minutes if they want to win this game. And so I think Aiton's a great play. I think he's going to be ticked off and fired up. And if you notice too, Andrew, you know, the reason I've always been shaky on Aiton and I don't play him all the time uh, and I didn't play him yesterday. It's just I always am concerned about his focus. And we've seen that. He's a young guy. I mean, he's 22, 23 years old, whatever. But he's uh, when he gets out of sync or in foul trouble or something's not going his way, he does drift and make dumb mistakes. Like if you notice, he sat out that whole, ton of time. As soon as he came back in, they gave him the ball twice and he turned it over both times because he just is one of those rhythm guys that needs to be in there and focused. And, you know, everybody talks about, you know, what a difference Chris Paul made for uh, Devin Booker this year. I think he made more of a difference for DeAndre Ayton. I mean, he took a guy that in his first couple of seasons after being the number one pick was truthfully just an average center, very average. And he's made him into an all-star level player. And that that comes with, with without question, Paul staying in his ear, getting him focused, not accepting his, you know, flake outs where he disappears for a while. But, you know, this is the first adversity he's faced in this series. And when he got back in there, he wasn't ready to go. And if you remember, if they could have get, gotten a couple of buckets right there and cut it back to 13, I believe it was, at least you can make a run in the fourth quarter. But he turns those two over. They hit a three and a two. And it's 18, just like that. So uh, I'm I'm going to believe that Aiton's going to get the bigger minutes. They'll find a way. Monty will find a way to protect him from the fouls. And I think he's an important play in this game. 
My biggest concern with the Suns and a guy that I faded yesterday, and I usually don't because I love him, is Devin Booker. Uh, you were right at the beginning of this series. Hats off to you. You predicted P.J. Tucker would guard him and harass him. And I, I really felt at the beginning of the series that Booker was maybe just a little too quick and would still be able to get those pull-up mid-range jumpers. And then when he laid off, he'd get the three. But it hasn't been that case. Paul ha or uh, P.J. has done the same thing to him, uh, and he's a little taller, that uh, Patrick Beverly did. And you can tell Booker's in a, in a funk. You know, he didn't play for a long stretch in that second half. Three for 14 again. And that's really the key. If if they can, if if Booker can get some more shots that aren't so contested by Tucker, then I, I do think they can win this series. But if they continue to just shut him down, it, it puts too much pressure on the other guys that aren't used used to having to score. And they leaned on Jay Crowder this game, and he went six for seven from three. That's it. Took seven shots. Six for seven. So I'm not sure. Uh, I, I would think Crowder may regress a bit from 86% from <laughs> right. the three-point line. So, you know, that's the key here is, you know, I think Booker is going to be, uh, like, not owned at all compared to – I shouldn't say that, but you know what I mean. He's going to be very low-owned for one of the stars here because everybody has seen what's happened. But I think they, they run some more wrinkles. They, they need to run some picks, let him run the pick and roll, anything to shake him off of Tucker and let him get matched up with somebody else. So this is my surprise call here when I'm breaking out Phoenix. I'm going to go back to Booker. One, for a leverage play, because I think he's going to be super low owned. Secondly, because I do think he's an all-star. And, and third... You saw the look on his face when he sat out a good portion of that second half on the bench. He's going to have a fire in his belly. And remember, you know, he's the heir apparent to Kobe, if you will, because they were the closest and, and he's really passed that, you know, mentality down. So I'm, I really think Aiton being a key, Booker being a really surprise play that people are going to bail on for sure uh, could be the keys. Now, as we talked about before, Andrew, you know, having the secondary guy in there, and I'll let you talk about Bobby Porce when it comes to you, but finding that secondary guy is the key. The reason I cashed yesterday and our members got to cash uh, from my lineups, you know, was Jay Crowder. I mean, I, he was the, the value guy that I chose to, to make round out my lineup. And, you know, six three, six rebounds and a block, that is a big help when you're trying to, you know, crack the cash line. So that was terrific. But now the question is, you know, is it Bridges who had that monster game three and I, I'm game two, uh, yeah. game two, and then he goes two for four. I mean, wow, that was a real surprise. So I would say the biggest decision everybody has to make is, do you go back to Crowder as value? Do you go to Bridges? as somewhat value uh, and, and see if he'll bounce back or do you just anchor in Chris Paul? I know that, you know, that's been somewhat what everybody's doing. He was back to his, uh, you know, regular self again, pretty much with nine assists, but guess what? Four turnovers. So that's 10 turnovers in the last two games for Chris Paul. I don't know how far back you have to go to find 
you know, back-to-back games where he had a total of 10 turnovers. So that that is my concern there, is they are playing him a little bit differently. And if you notice, they're taking a lot more of the passing lanes away, a lot of people getting deflections on the ball. So they're they're playing him to pass. So he's going to have to shoot the ball more if he wants those passing angles to open up. And that's going to get him a little bit out of sync. So that's that's where I'm on the fence with Paul is I think that they have a great plan against him that's really working. And, you know, the question is, can he step up and hit a bunch of shots? So that's key. Then the last point I'll make here is the only bench guy that I'm interested in <clears throat> is Cam Johnson. I know Cam Payne. I've loved him all along. But 25 minutes, you know, I don't know if, He's going to get that again. I think it's risky. You know, people are going to say, hey, he got 10 shots up and and this and that. But, you know, I could see him with a little bit less of a role. So really the only guy uh, that has now become a, a serious part of the rotation is Cam Johnson. And whether he subs in for Booker or Bridges or Crowder, he can replace and play pretty much any position except point guard. So, you know, I'm looking at the Suns as a six-man group for this upcoming game. I'm focused in on Aiton and and Booker, believe it or not, as a real somewhat contrarian play, I think, at this point. And then making the decision is, do I go with a Bridges, a Crowder, or a Johnson as a value play? Yeah, I think I'm focused on those six as well as my primary pool of sons to consider. And I do want to anchor my lineups with Aiton again, not anchor in the the sense of he'd be – at the top on FanDuel, but right. as my my favorite son, so to speak, um, because <laughs> you better I mean, tell he, Darius about yeah, that. <laughs> no, no, no one beats Darius. But um, you know, if you look at his efficiency again, if he plays even just thirty six minutes, he was on pace for twenty seven and thirteen. Right, and you know, will he continue to shoot at that high percentage? Maybe not, but. I do think he plays 36 to 40 minutes. I think he plays smarter and he's just been so strong. And his price, still only 13,000 on FanDuel, his price actually went down on DraftKings. He's only 8,400. That so doesn't I just, make sense. I just don't, I just don't see myself uh, fading him there. Um, Booker, I'll go there next because you went there next. You know, this would be the, the time to play him on a bounce back. Um, you know, it's clear to me that they made the decision. All right, let's just save Booker's legs here. Uh, we're not going to win this game. And, you know, that's what happened with Bridges. He only played 27 minutes. And what I thought was going to happen in game three, I thought Phoenix would push hard to try to go up 3-0 and they'd play their guys close to 40 minutes again, like they did in game two. But everything changed when eight went into foul trouble. Booker was a little bit cold, and they just said, you know what, we're going to regroup here. And I think they come out really hard in game four. I think it goes back to the game two type of distribution with minutes. So eight in his big minutes. Booker, he'll get the big minutes. He'll get more shots, um, and it'll come down to, you know, does he get those easier looks like you talked about? I don't think it's going to be easy. And his price is a little bit high for me, so he's not my favorite play. And same thing with Paul. I mean, they're both 14000 on FanDuel. And over there, I think the analysis you have to decide is, do you go with one of those guys or Middleton or Holiday? Because they're both cheaper. 
So Middleton is cheaper than both of them now, and Drew Holiday's way down at twelve thousand still. So it just kind of depends on how you want to build out the roster, and if you project one of those guys to to get back on track in, in terms of having a you know forty five to fifty point fantasy night, which of course they're they're both capable of. So you know they're they're in play for me uh, right now. I'm leaning towards one of these one of the other studs on Milwaukee, who's a little bit cheaper. And then with Bridges and Crowder, I agree. You know they're they're neck and neck in price. They're they're neck and neck in minutes and and likely opportunities. So they're very very similar profile to me. Um, you know they just kind of flipped from game two to game three. Bridges was hot and then cold. Crowder was cold and then hot. Um, you know does Crowder's veteran experience help him a little bit more on the road here? Did that play into it? Um, does Bridges' youth and inexperience is that really a factor here? Or was this sort of more of a Crowder got a few more open looks and and got hot and got a few extra minutes? Uh, you know, I think they're both possible scenarios. So yeah, it's going to be tough uh, to make that decision. You it's know, a tough call. Do you yeah. know that an interesting stat? Jay Crowder is the only player for from either team that's been in an NBA final, and that was last year. Yeah, that is surprising. Um, yeah. So obviously nobody has ever won a championship on either roster either. And right. nobody and the great Shaq uh streak is over. Mm-hmm. You know right. how he had somebody in the finals that played with him throughout his career. Yeah. So it's all fresh reset here. But your point with Crowder having, you know, at least gone through a finals, uh, you know, maybe that is the differentiator. And then with the bench, I agree Cam Johnson is right at the forefront. Played awesome. You know, he had the highlight reel dunk, but active just really on both ends. Um, yeah. More active, I think, than usual. And his price has gone down on DraftKings. 3800 I think, is a nice value play to consider. And 9000 on FanDuel, he's still in the mix. You know, 30 minutes. I don't know if he gets 30, but um, I think 24-plus, uh, and, and he's in play. And I agree with you, campaign, uh, campaign. I think his minutes go back down to 16 somewhere around there you know i think he got the extra minutes because booker didn't so right. uh yeah he's just not he's not my favorite guy in that value group and tory craig um got back into that rotation that we we thought he would since he was healthy 12 to 16 minutes he got 15 again didn't do too much um you know and then frank the tank uh, really <laughs> did his work in in garbage time you know, you can't stop Frank the Tank. You can no, only you hope to contain him. That's, that's it, right. Man. That's exactly <laughs> right. So uh, that's the Phoenix side. Before we transition to Milwaukee, just want to invite folks to um, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Hope you're enjoying these podcasts in front of the paywall. We'll keep them coming here with every NBA game. And um, if you want to join us for our lineups, you can do that at dfscoachtalk.com. Grab a membership there, and we'll give out our lineups Wednesday night for game four. But any membership you get with us, you get access to all of our sports. So if you jump in today, you'll get the baseball lineups uh, for the All-Star game, and you'll get golf on Wednesday. It's the Open Championship this week, Coach. We've got a podcast coming up later today for that. I can't wait. Uh, Yeah, we give out the the golf lineups on Wednesday also. So great time to join us. DFSCoachTalk.com, 
And if you have any questions, you can reach out to us on Twitter at DFS Coach Talk. Yes. And if you're watching this on YouTube, quick ask here, quick thumbs up, hit that subscribe button. We're off and racing to our next goal on YouTube as far as subs. So we really appreciate that. And hit that little alert button up in the corner because you're going to want to know when some of our podcasts post because we're adding a bunch of new stuff stuff coming up in the next month or so, uh, including some some MLB uh, pods. And, you know, then down the road, we'll have our NFL jumping in. So we have all kinds of uh, new things and announcements coming, all great stuff. So the best way to not miss any of those is to hit that alert button and definitely hit the subscribe button so you know when uh, we're posting. So we appreciate that. Excellent. All right, let's turn to Milwaukee here. Can they tie it up at two? Uh, Giannis, just phenomenal. And the other thing I liked was his mindset talking about just got to keep come back to work, take care of business, take care of home court, even this up. So, you know, he was not basking in the glory of a 40-point finals performance and, oh, right, we won a game. I mean, he was locked in already to game four, and he's going to get the extra day of rest. Uh, after playing solid minutes. So, um, yeah, I'm ready to ride Giannis again in the top spot on FanDuel. It's it's still, um, you know, an analysis we have to do on DraftKings of whether it makes sense to pay up for him. Um, but uh, I'm going to have Giannis in my lineups. And then I would, again, like to have Holiday or Middleton. You know, I, like I said, I like that they're cheaper than, the, than uh, Paul and Booker on FanDuel. And, um, you know, Middleton... Uh, he, it seemed like he was a little bit quieter because he, you know, he didn't have a ceiling game, but, and I think the, a lot of the focus is on Drew Holiday, who was solid and he was much better shooting. Like you said, eight of 14, five of 10 on threes, but Middleton was six of 14 and three for seven. And, you know, they didn't need anything really from him in the fourth. So, you know, those guys are just neck and neck, sort of like Crowder and Bridges. I mean, yeah. Uh, they're both such an integral part of this offense. They they get a lot of touches. Uh, so, you know, I like I like both of those as potential options. And then with the the other starters here, I mean, Lopez and, and Portis, uh, we got in game three what I thought we'd get in game two, Coach. Lopez right. dipped in minutes. Bobby Portis got a spike in minutes. To me, he's a little more versatile defensively. And he makes sense in this series, and it just did not happen in game two, but it did in game three. And he made the most of it. He played well, 11 and eight, got up 11 shots. And the crazy thing about Bobby Portis, coach, is that his price on FanDuel was 10,500 in game right. three after playing, what, four or five minutes the game before? Now Thank he you. plays 18 minutes, and his price goes all the way down to 8,000. Just. It doesn't make any sense unless they know Coach Bud's going to pull one of his pranks again and play him five minutes. <laughs> Could be. I mean, that's the only thing that would explain it, uh, uh, or that the algorithm is just a game behind. But you know, at, at eight thousand versus Lopez at eleven thousand, uh, to it's, me, it's it's either Portis or he's Pat. Gonna be, Portis is going to be chalk at that price. Let's face it. I mean, he's going to be way way higher owned than he was. I mean, he was GPP only in the last game. Um, because he was still expensive. So why pay 10-5 for a guy who might play five minutes? I have a question for you, though. And because it just, I respect Coach Bud 
and we've talked about this probably on eight of our last 11 NBA podcasts that had to do with the Bucks. Why in God's name does he not play him consistently? And when have you seen him play even once where he hasn't delivered? I mean, it's just ridiculous that he doesn't get on the floor for like 15 to 20, absolute minimum 15 to 20 minutes, probably should be in there 20 to 24 minimum. So I don't get it, man. Well, if he doesn't play 16 to 20 minutes in this game, then just forget about it because I mean, they just won by 20 in the, you know, in the game that he does play big minutes. And again, he looked good, like you said. And as a coach, you know, don't you want your bench guys to go out there and play hard? I mean, he does. He plays so hard. He's so intense. He gives you that extra boost that Lopez doesn't give you. I mean, Lopez right. is not firing up the crowd yeah. like that. I mean, Portis, that enthusiasm is so infectious for the crowd, his teammates, and he's being productive. So yes. I think you have to expect he's going to play 16 to 20 minutes. How many times have we said that, though, and then he doesn't? <laughs> well, that's why I say forget it. If, if he doesn't it's, in this it's game. It's so hard to figure. Yeah, They should fire – Coach Bud, right after the game, if he doesn't get 16 minutes. You know, and, and poor old Lopez, let's face it, man. You know, we talked about it a little bit beforehand. This just is not a good matchup for him. I mean, he can't defend quick enough on the interior. I understand he blocked some shots, but I warned everybody ahead of time before this series started that he gets those generally on help side and, and you know, secondary blocks, not the guy that he's guarding. And there, he just can't get into the, the fray here. I just don't think he's – you you won't see him much over 20 minutes, in my opinion. So he's a pass for sure. Yeah, pass for sure. Portis is a maybe. He's in that group of value plays. I'm playing the damn guy, and if he doesn't – I'm flying to Milwaukee, and I'm going to have a talk with Coach Bud if it doesn't work out. <laughs> Tucker could, could make some lineups for me because of his price. 30 minutes again. Um you know, his price went down on DraftKings to 34. So he's in that same group as Cam Johnson. Um, and if he's 75, if you, go, if you go with him on FanDuel at 75, then your other utility guy, you can pay up a little bit. So he's in play for me. And then, of course, Connaughton right in the mix, too. Uh, you know, looking at the other guy you want to consider off the bench at 85, he's gone up a little bit on DraftKings to 42, but he got 30 minutes. Took him a while to get it going, but. You know, three for five from the field, two for four on threes. You can, you know, expect that type of opportunity for him again. Yeah. 30 minutes, he's going to get five shots. It's just, again, a matter of does he hit his threes and does he get a stock or two? And then a Teague and Forbes, you know, Forbes really took a hit here. Teague, solid with his minutes of 14, but 0 for 4 from the field. Uh, so he just hasn't quite clicked yet in this series. I, I You know, I think it's possible – but 2200 on DraftKings, it's not like he's ultra cheap over there, uh, so not my favorite play. So this is sort of like a – I think this might be a six-man rotation as well, Coach, for me, the 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 four starters from Milwaukee other than Lopez and then Portis and Connaughton, really the, the key guys I'm considering here. So seven-man, unless I ran out of fingers. Four, only four starters, oh. not, not Lopez. Oh, you're right. Okay, you're eliminating yeah. Lopez. Good And point. then Port, Portis and Connaughton. Yeah, I, I get real confused when math is involved. Sorry. <laughs> no, I you know, I think you're right on. I mean, really the Milwaukee side's pretty easy for me to to break down. It's I, I think you have to play Giannis regardless of what position you put him in. I mean, it's I don't see how 
I don't think there'll be a cash lineup that cashes without Giannis somewhere on the board. So that's a no-brainer. But then, you know, I think the que- the question that may shift your entire squad is, do you go Middleton or Holiday, just like you said? And you can make a case for both guys. You know, they're so even in a lot of different ways of what they can do. Now, I'm leaning slightly initially here to Middleton, and the reason being is uh, it looked like the strategy from Coach Bud was to actually run Middleton at the one quite a bit because he does, he's stronger in that pick and roll and more of a, a deadly threat to pull up off that pick and roll for that 15 to 17 foot jumper. So, you know, that makes me more, a little bit more interested in Middleton because of the assist potential, you know, he's going to have his hands on the ball more and, you know, he still hasn't had a great shooting night, six for 14, you know, his, his average bridges has given him some trouble, but, I do think Middleton is such a clutch, clutch guy. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning that direction, especially with the salaries that have gone down on a, a, some of the other people that we're looking at. So, uh, you know, I, I love the Giannis Middleton build. Not that Holiday doesn't deserve a lot of, uh, you know, a, a good strong look. And then, just like we talked about with, you know, the Cam and those guys with Phoenix. The question is, who do you fill in with that's going to step up? Is it Tucker, Connaughton, or Portis, or some combination of those three? So that's the key factor. Now, for me, initially, I do think they try to protect Aiton a little bit, and I think you're going to see flashes of Phoenix going into that zone. Even if Aiton doesn't pick up the, the, the two right away, I think that you know they'll they feel that if they run that zone – for two, three minutes at a pop just to switch it up, take all that pressure off of eight and to make sure he doesn't pick any cheapies up. Uh, I think that creates a, a situation where I would lean a little bit more to Tucker and Connaughton over Portis here simply because they're going to hit those spot up threes. And one thing I can say about Connaughton, you know, I was on the fence with him wanting to play him, but he's really earned my respect as well because no matter the situation, the score, if he's open and he has that three, he certainly has the confidence to take it. And you can tell that his player, his other players and coach say, you're open, you shoot it, we have the confidence in you, that's why you're on the floor. And yeah, he only got up five shots, but a couple of those were in clutch situations when they were on a run, you know, or at the end of a quarter. So I, I respect Connaughton's uh, play and his approach. And I like the fact that if Tucker can get, as we saw, if he gets 10 shots up like he did in one of the previous games, you know, he smashes his number. And he was, you know, only got five up this game. He he would certainly be one to get two or three of those corner jumpers if they do go zone. So I'm looking at those two guys over Portis, plus the, the status of, you know, Portis was so center stage again. He's going to get extra ownership because everybody was, you know, paying attention and lauding his play. So, you know, from a leverage standpoint and from, you know, the defensive uh, strategy, I think from the Phoenix side, the the value guys I'm looking at the most there are Tucker and Connaughton. But after that, I'm not interested in in any other uh, of the bench. But it was interesting that uh, Crash Davis, our man Josh, pointed out that it that was the highest scoring game for any two brothers, the Antikanupo brothers, with 41 in this game. Uh, unfortunately, most, 
he did most of the heavy lifting there, right? Yeah, yeah. Giannis only had 41 of the 41, but still. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he got in the game. He, he played did. a minute and 34. He played a couple so minutes. That yeah. stat counts, right? It does. He's out there. <laughs> so that's pretty much how I see that game. So it's, you know, it's, it's pretty similar with some adjustments to, you know, it's you've got to pick the right studs and you got to specifically pick the right subs that make it work. But uh, the pricing's a little funky and different on all this, all the slates. And, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, and Yahoo, we play all three at Coach Talk. We provide for all three. And I'll tell you what, with the pricing, mixing around, trying to figure out, you know, what the build's going to look like, it's going to be a little bit different on all three of them because the pricing is pretty dramatically different. It is, yep. So you got to roll with that each slate and uh, and deal with it the best you can. And we'll certainly be working on that here leading up to game four. So any questions, again, reach out to us on Twitter at DFS Coach Talk. You can find the coach at J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. You can find me at Language Olympic. We'll be back later today for our Open Championship preview if you're into PGA. So join us for that. And then, of course, we'll be ready to rock and roll um, for game four on Wednesday and then uh, game five preview after that. So thanks a lot for tuning in, everybody. On behalf of the entire DFS Coach Talk team and the coach, I'm Andrew Hansen. We'll see you next time as we look to crush it in DFS.